that we need to not only study and, um, and understand, but also believe, because this is the basis of uh, our salvation, our faith in Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this uh, beautiful service we're having. We thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy towards us. We pray right now, Lord, that you open our hearts to your word. Everything this book says, um, it's us. It speaks about, about us. And Lord, we want to bless your word today. We want to be lovers of your word. Help us, Lord, to understand your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you speak to our hearts in a personal way. You, you know our situation. You know what uh, we're going through. And I pray that... You help us today to be focused um, and to focus in scriptures and to focus in what you want to, to say to us today. Lord, we thank you for the church, thank you for the worship, thank you for the offerings, and thank you for this great time of fellowship we have in today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Aren't you happy that we're finishing Romans? Yeah, kind of? Grateful, says some. Um, Yes, we are. I'm really happy that we're finishing Romans, and we're about to start a mini, a mini, mini series on for Christmas next Sunday. Pastor Roy will be uh, starting that that series, and we and then we have the Christmas Eve service. It's going to be great. Uh, how many of us will be here for the Christmas Eve service? Show hands, right? Let me see. Let me take a picture so I just hold it there. All right. <laughs> All right, Romans chapter 16, the title of today's message is Six Characteristics of Honored Servants. Six Characteristics of Honored Servants. God has called you to be His servant. Do you believe that? Yes? Just two, two of us? Come on, do you believe that God is calling you to be His servant? He's calling us all. He's not, you know, into titles like, oh, I want you to be Mr. Apostle, Mr. Prophet, or whatever, Mr. Patriarch, if you want a higher degree. No. He's just calling us to be servants. Because he came to this world to serve, and he's expecting us to do the same. To serve him. So in Romans 16, it's a... Interesting chapter. I believe that many people ignore this chapter, I think, because, well, they see in it nothing but a list of names, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, just names. Actually, I love names. And we are, you know, uh, for this couple of months uh, with Megan, we have been trying to find the name for a baby. And we have the name. It's a secret, all right? So and we're, we're going to keep it to ourselves till the baby's born. Is that all right? Oh, no? All right. <laughs> But, actually, I found out a lot of good names in this chapter. You know, like Andronicus. What about that? Andronicus Jenkins. That's what? That's a great name. name. Yeah. Olympus. Olympus. (laughs) Anyways, let's start. Um, I have decided to divide today's sermon in six points. Six characteristics of honor servants you can follow Follow through the sermon with your bulletin, and also there's a lot, there's other verses that I will not have the time today to cover. You can read today's bulletin reflection, and you will find a short reflection about those verses. And um, and then you can also read that on our website this week. So verses uh, one and two of Romans 16 says, "I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centrea." Now. 
you will have to excuse me if I, I don't know, if I uh, say a name wrong or, you know, those are hard names. Centrea, all right? Centrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me, including me, says Apostle Paul. Um, from this list, this large list of names that we find in Romans 16, we will learn some characteristic that honor servants share. I truly believe that God always affirms his servants. God always affirms his servants. God always honor those who honor him. You know that? Maybe you will not get the recognition from this world, but you will get heaven's recognition. God always affirms his servants. And I'm and I'm and I'm not I'm not speaking just about leaders, spiritual leaders, pastors, whatever. I'm speaking about those who know that they are in this world just to serve God. If you are in this world, if you have, if you are alive and you can breathe, that breathing has a purpose. It's to serve your master. It's to serve Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth has called your name and has said, follow me. So number one, we need to follow him and we need to be his servants. And God will honor you. Um, the whole church can be grateful for, to this woman, Phoebe. For her faithfulness. And that's the number one characteristic that I, that I found in these two verses. The, the characteristic that I found is faithfulness. Honored servants are faithful. Faithful. They are faithful during hard times. They are faithful during good times. They're just faithful to the Lord and faithful to um, the service that they are providing for the church. She bore, this woman, Phoebe, she bore and preserved this letter all along that dangerous journey from Corinth to Rome. She used to live in Corinth. So she had to take the letter, and Paul was like, okay, Phoebe, are you up to the challenge? You have to bring this letter to Rome. That would mean like walking, you know, days of walking, and maybe getting into a boat to cross and, uh, and to get to Rome. A single lady. A lady, not a man, not a, I don't know, a tough guy. Just a lady, Phoebe. But there was a couple of characteristics of this lady. She was faithful, it says. She was a servant. She's, she's called a deacon of the church. She's called by the apostle a servant of the church in Centrea. The term deacon means that she had assumed a ministry on behalf of the church. She represented them in some labor. And whether it was material, physical, or spiritual, she was very faithful in it. There's a lot of things that we need to do here in church. Amen? Do you agree? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of work. Cleaning, preparing the services, organizing everything, moving chairs, preparing coffee, preparing a word, preparing some music, going and visit the sick, doing outreach, preaching to the lost, evangelism, teaching, counseling. Do you think that Pastor Roy can do all that by himself? He's not here, so you can be honest. <laughs> no. Not Pastor Roy, not myself, not just you. We need a body. All of us. That's why God is calling your name to be his servant. Phoebe was a servant. And she was uh, willing to serve God and to serve the church. So Paul commands her, 
Phoebe to these Christians in Rome and asked them not only to receive her in an honorable way, but also he asked them to help her. It says in verse 2, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people. Look at that. With honor. Thank you, Phoebe, for just like Kevin said, thank you today, Maureen and Jocelyn, for greeting, for helping us out. Thank you, kids. Thank you, worship team. You know, honoring those who are serving, those, those who are doing something for God. And God wants you to do something for Him. He wants, He's, he's calling you this morning to be His servant. And then it says, and give her any help she may need from you. We all need help. Show hands. Who needs help? There you go. Okay, I will. Yeah. Pastor Roy, we have a problem. All the church needs help. What would we do? <laughs> we all need help. We can't do this alone. Nothing. In life, there's nothing you can do by yourself. You always need help. We always need help. Since we're little kids, we need the help of mom and dad. When, when, when we are growing, we need the help of teachers here in church, we need the help of pastors. We need the help of leaders. But also there are many people that are needing your help in many areas. Last Sunday we learned that we are all capable of counseling someone. We all have the Word of God in our hearts and our minds. We have the Holy Spirit. What else do you need? Do you need a degree? No, you don't. You can just share God's Word. And I'm not saying like right now you're going to open an office in your home, right? <laughs> Roger Jenkins, counselor, master in divinity degree. Uh, no, but we can help each other. We can encourage each other. We can pray for one another. And that's amazing. That's something that Phoebe used to do, probably. So, my question today for us is, are we giving honor, recognition, and assistance to those who God has called to ministry? To those who have decided to work for the benefit, for the benefit of the church? Verses 3 and 4 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful, are grateful to them. So the, characteristic, the second characteristic that I found in this chapter is sacrifice and teamwork. Because it says, my co-workers. So those who are helping me. In the labor of preaching the gospel, says Apostle Paul, my co-workers, my, you know, my, uh, the rest of the team. Paul believed in, in, in doing the gospel, in doing ministry as a team, not just, an, not just as an individual. My co-workers, my fellow co-workers, my team. And it says they risked their lives. That means sacrifice for the Lord. In ministry, you need to make some sacrifices. You know, like you need to take some time, maybe time that you can use maybe for, I don't know, for going out and having fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're in ministry, if you are serving God, God will, requ God will requ require from you some time for Him during the week. Resources, etc. Effort. We meet this couple in other letters of Paul, Priscilla and Aquila. We see them first in Acts 18 where Luke tells us they were Jews, ten makers by trade who were driven out by, uh, of Rome by the decree of the emperor Claudius. Have you read about them before? Amazing couple. And last night the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart and he was telling me, embracing couples just like Aquila and Priscilla. This is the time for the couples. 
to do ministry together, to serve God together. Not just one, and the other one stay home with the kids. Just in this thing called ministry, you need both. Together. Together. It says, we, we read about them. They, are, they, they were just great. They were the co-workers of Apostle Paul. Um, they went to Corinth, took up their trade there, maybe, and maybe they met Saul of Tarsus, who moved in with them and soon led, led them to Christ. Theirs was probably the first home in Corinth that started a church, the, the home of Aquila and Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila. Luke tells us that after two years there, Paul left to go to the great city of Ephesus, and Priscilla and Aquila went with him. So wherever the Apostle Paul went, they were like, Apostle Paul, here we are. You can count on us. We want to help. We want to be your co-workers. Maybe, maybe they had children, for sure, probably. And they were like, okay, children, we're going, everybody, the whole family, we're going to go and serve God. You know that there are things that you can, I mean, would you love to have your children, like, with a solid faith in Christ? Would you love that? Right? When they are adults to be solid Christians, you know how to do that? Not only praying for them, but also allowing them to serve along you, Christ. In, in, in our culture, we are like, okay, children need to go to other room. They can't be here with us because we're adults and they're children. They will just distract us. That's just silly. That's a lie. I would love to see more children here dancing and jumping and singing and clapping and making noise. Even if I'm preaching, I don't care. Because I know they're children. If they were adults, that's different. You'll hear me out. But we need our children to be engaged in ministry too, along with us. They can come and they can help you with a chair, moving the chair or, you know, putting the envelopes in the chairs. Greeting people, praying for people. So many things that children can do. So here we see Aquila and Priscilla. And probably they were taking their children with them. Okay, children, it's time to move. We're moving from Corinth to Ephesus and then to Rome. Why? Because we're following God and we are here to serve Him as a family. That was the spirit of Joshua right there. But me... And my household, we will serve the Lord. You and your household, you will serve the Lord. You and your wife, you together will serve the Lord. You and your children, you will serve the Lord. That's the biggest impact that you can, that you can make in your children. At the time Paul sent this letter, they were in Rome, Priscilla and Aquila, having traveled from Corinth and Ephesus. And Paul greets them and reminds the church that they had risked their lives for him. That was probably in that uh, uproar that broke out in the city of Ephesus, recorded in the the last uh, part of the book of Acts. He reveals the fact that everywhere this couple went, they had a church in their home. Everywhere this couple went, they opened a church. Church planners. Now, this is a word for you this year. Are you willing to open your home to the Holy Ghost, to the Holy Spirit, so the, so the Holy Spirit can take your living room and turn it around, and suddenly it will be a place where you will receive people that are broken, neighbors that need Jesus desperately, and you will invite them to come for, for coffee, and maybe you will share with them the, the gospel, and they will open their hearts, and you will be the one leading them to Christ? 
Are you willing to do that? To be like Priscilla and Aquila and say, me and my family, we're going to, oh, our house, our house right now is a church. And it's open to everybody. What about that? Are you willing to receive someone that you don't know? Someone that needs help? Someone that's, that just show up for church one Sunday and then he needs help and maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to say, okay, you know what? I invite you to come over this week and to bring people to Christ. That's what they were doing. They were showing with example what it is to live for God. Serve God. Sometimes we kind of uh, idolize our houses, our homes. We invest money into that, more money, mortgages. For what? What's the point? It's your house, a place where God is welcome and people who are lost and need help are welcome too. When, when was the last time you show hospitality? That's the way we Christians, we show our love. Hospitality. So we need that. Priscilla and Aquila, they were up to that challenge. And they were following the plans of God for them. We don't know if they had children or not, but we do know that this couple had placed service to God as a priority in their lives and marriage. Serving God together was something they enjoyed doing, and it was also the greatest motivation of their lives. You know what is the secret to avoid divorce? Doing things together. Having communion, fellowship, communication, something that you do together, commitment. And you, you know what is the best thing that you can do? It's not going bowling and going to the romantic date every weekend. It's service to God, serving God together. <laughs> That's the most beautiful activity you can do with your wife. Yeah, serving God together. So have you experienced serving God along with your wife or husband lately? And then what is the activity that you and your spouse do together and that you enjoy the most? Is serving God together one of your priorities? That's why we like to, to try to, you know, to, um, to ask couples to serve God. As greeting or ushers or you know, doing ministry together. What are you willing to sacrifice to be a better team player in your service to God and His church? That's just some questions that I want to share with you this morning. Verses 5 and 6 says... Greet also the church that meets at their house. Look, the house of Priscilla and Aquila. Greet my dear friend Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. And greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. So, the third characteristic that I found in those verses is testimony and willingness to serve. Testimony from Epenetus, who had a great testimony. He was the first convert to Christ in Asia. And then the willingness to serve that we find in Mary, who, who Paul says work very hard for you. Epenetus was never forgotten, for he was the first one to believe in the gospel in Asia. Asia is right now Turkey. He was the first one to come to Christ. You never forget that first one you lead to Christ, right? If you have ever led someone to Christ, you never forget that experience. Have you ever lead someone to Christ? Hmm? You know, it's just a joy. David, probably I can ask you, 
Do you still remember that first person that you led to Christ there in Albania? Kind of? Huh? <laughs> Not all of them, but it, 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 it was something that you enjoy very much. So we need to, I mean, today this is, God is inviting you to do that. Enjoy it. Bring someone to, to Him. Bring, bring someone to God. Also, we should never forget the time we came to Christ. We should never forget our conversion and the place where Jesus found us. As, um, associated with Epenetus, we, found, uh, we, we find Mary, whom Paul calls Mary the hard worker. Mary the hard worker. I love the gospel because it's like in the, in the Old Testament, you only, you only see guys, right, taking the, the leadership roles. Only guys. But then if you go to the New Testament and you find out about Mary, the hard worker, you find out about Priscilla, and now you see couples serving God together, you go to the gospel, and, and even Jesus, he decided to pick women to follow him. You know that. Jesus had women who were his disciples too. And they were hard workers. Statistics shows that now in churches, like, I don't know here in Canada, but I know that in, in, in South America, like 80% or 70% of the leadership of a church is composed by women. Do you know that? Women. And women of this congregation, you are being called to serve God too. To preach the gospel. To work hard for, for Jesus. He pays great. There's no better reward. There's no better reward. And you know, there's always open positions in ministry. Always. Mary was one that was, uh, was very well known in Rome as a hard worker. Maybe Mary, maybe she could not teach or preach or evangelize, but she was willing to work for God, and she did. Paul is very careful to remember this woman and man who had the gift of helping. So my question today that I want to share with you is, are you willing to serve God in, in His church? And what are the things you can do to help others grow in their faith and find encouragement? What are the things you can do to bless others through the church? So we learned that another characteristic of honored servants is testimony and willingness, willingness to serve. Verses 7 to 10, it says, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among, among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, Urbanus, you name it, our, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend Stachys, greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Andronicus and Junius were relatives of Paul. And since uh, he says that they were in Christ before me, this takes us back to the very first days of the church. Remember Stephen preaching the gospel in Jerusalem? Probably they, they, came, to even, they, they came to Christ even before Apostle Paul. Maybe they were the one that, that helped Apostle Paul you know, find Christ. They were willing to receive this persecutor, Saul of Tarsus, and pray for him. And, and Paul speaks highly about them. He says, they are outstanding among the apostles. Whoa, outstanding among them. And they were even in Christ before I was. The humbleness of Paul. It's just terrific. It is hard to tell whether this is a husband and a wife team. And just want to open a note here. 
Because in some versions, you, you will find out the, word, the name Junius with an S, and in other versions, you will find it like Junior without the S. If it is without the S, then it is a male name, right? But if, if it is with the, with the S, it's a female. So we don't know. I believe it was a couple too. And I've read other books that uh, support that, uh, that position. But it's up to you if you want to, to see it like that or not. I believe it was a couple. If not, we know that they were some, somehow they were related. Maybe they were brothers. This is, a, this is a reflective note that uh, Paul brings here. He remembers that they were in Christ before him, and, now, and no doubt they were praying for him. So another characteristic of honor servants is prayer. They have a life of prayer. Somewhere along the line, they share a prison term with him, and probably in that place they became friends. Isn't that, isn't that a funny place to find friendship? A prison. In prison. In the clink. Right? Is that how you say it? <laughs> in prison, they became friends. Maybe they prayed for him. They were like, Paul, we want to be your friends. We want to pray for you. Then in, in verse 8, Paul speaks about Ampletus. Ampletus was a slave who had, who had a great ministry among the church in Rome. And he was a really good friend of Paul. Paul speaks about him as my dear friend. My dear friend in the Lord, Ampliados. And then he speaks about his dear friend, Stachys. So, here Paul is saying, I'm an apostle, but I need friends. What about you? What about me? Isn't it funny that when we are kids, like we are desperate to have friends and even more friends? Remember those first friends in kindergarten? Well, that was too long ago, eh? Maybe in elementary or high school. But it seems like when you go to college and you finish college, that's it. You forget about your friends. Now it's only you, your career, your wife and your children. That's it. And then you, you, you set those walls around you. and you, you don't invite anyone to come over and you, you just don't care about having friends. And that's just wrong. We need friends. And you know where is the best place to find good, solid friends? Walmart. Clink. (laughs) Kevin wants to go to Clink. (laughs) What's the best place? The shopping mall? No. You know what's, what's, what's the best place? Right here. In church. Right here in church. You know, to use the Sunday morning also to the time where I can think, okay, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to invite this week to come over, have a coffee and talk and pray and help each other and have a good time as friends. Paul calls them dear friends. Dear friends. And um, then we see in verse 9, he speaks about uh, Urbanus and Stachys, and we know no more about them what what Paul mentions here, and somewhere Venus joins, joined Paul's team and also his dear friend Stachys, and that is all we know. But then we find verse 10. And I, I, I want you to read that verse again. It says, Greet Apelles, or Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Apelles. Paul says that his fidelity to God 
has stood the test. He was tested and approved in Christ. Wouldn't that be a great inscription in your tombstone? Tested and approved in Christ. There you go. Tested and approved in Christ. Nothing better than that. Tested by life, tested by trials, tested by sufferings, tested by afflictions. But at the end, my friend, approved in Christ. Nobody promises us that this life will be easy. But Jesus promises that he will be with us till the end. And he will give us the victory. So you will be also fine, approved in Christ. Tested and approved in Christ. Also, this man, you know, his name, Apelles. You know what, what it means? It means called. Called. And we're speaking about being called to, to ministry, being called to serve God. What do you think that God does with his servants? He puts him in to the test. He tests them into trials. Not because he's a mean God. It's because he wants to take the best out of you. Maybe you are being tested right now and you don't like it. Of course we don't like it. But the thing is that God is at your side. God is for you. And you, have, you are more than victorious in Christ Jesus. So he says, tested and approved. God called us to ministry. As a matter of fact, no Christian is without a ministry. Show hands who are Christians in this house. All right. If you have any other religion, come talk to me after the service. That's okay. We'll have an interesting chat. You know what? If you're a Christian, you have a ministry. You have a ministry that you need to fulfill. You have responsibility before heaven, before God. You have gifts, talents, resources, time, education, family, strength. What? You, come on, you're alive. That has a purpose, and the purpose is serving Christ till the end. To live a life without service is to live a life without purpose. Service is the purpose of our lives, to serve God and serve humanity. I had a friend in Guatemala. He was almost 90. He preached the gospel, and he lived in Colombia. He lived in Central America. He was Canadian, by the way. He, he lived in, in the States. He opened over 500 churches all over the world, in India, in, in Asia. And I have, I don't know, I have the luck of having him as one of my seminary professors. And one time I asked him, Norman, what is the phrase that you would like to share with me as, I don't know, like a, like a, like a ministry advice? All right, I will do that. Give me your Bible. He wrote in my Bible. The purpose of life is to serve God and serve humanity. You just, be folk, just, you just need to, to plan your life around that. Serve God and serve others. Serve God and serve others. It's the life of the servant. So the question is, what I will do with my ministry calling, with your ministry calling? What will we do? Maybe we'll have excuses. Maybe you feel, I don't know, called by the Holy Spirit to, to start working for Him. Maybe there's a lot of excuses that come to your mind. But today I invite you, by our Lord Jesus Christ, 
to set, a, to set aside those excuses and say, yes, Lord, I'm open to do whatever you call me to do. I open to serve you. Verses 10 to 13, part B of verse 10 says, Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. It seems like the women were, were doing all the hard work in this church. They work really hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Here Paul speaks about Aristobulus and Narcissus, who were very well-known political figures in Rome, and they have a household. The household was composed by servants, slaves, and it seems like all those slaves, or the majority of those slaves, they were Christian. And you know what they were doing? They were influencing, they were being an influence to the to all the political uh, segment of that society. They were, you know, slaves of influence. The word slave in the Greek means, you got it, servant. They were serving God and being of influence to others, even their bosses and here, uh, uh, probably even to the same emperor. Already in the heart of the Roman Empire, a Christian witness has been established. And I believe this is the way Christianity should work. You know that Christianity is not about programs. You know that, right? It's not about having a program for everything. Christianity makes its best progress when it infiltrates all levels of society and brings them all together in the body of Christ. So whatever you are in businesses and as a, class, as, as a worker... In a hospital, a school, college, whatever you are in your neighborhood, you are there. God has put you there so you may be a witness for him. In verse 12, we read about two very well-known ladies in the church, Tryphena and Tryphosa. We don't know what they did, but there is a delicate irony here for their names being refined and delicate. And Paul speaks about them as hard worker ladies. And then in verse 13, we read about Rufus. And Paul recognized the work of his mother, the mother of Rufus, who was for him also a mother. You know, in, in many, probably in many situations and circumstances. So the, the fifth characteristic of a servant is influence and hard work. And we're getting to the last one. The last one is uh, based on verses 14 to 16. It says, greet uh, Asyncritus, Asyncritus. Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermes, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That's the Bible verse we love in Argentina. You know, you know that we, we greet with a kiss in Argentina. Yeah, even guys. I, I think I mentioned that. All the churches of Christ send greetings. And it seems funny, that holy kiss, right? In our Canadian culture, like kissing each other, what? Wait a minute. But my question is, if, if you see your, your, your mom or dad or your actual brother or sister, you know, there's nothing wrong in kissing your brother and sister, right? And a chick, of course. <laughs> shows affection, shows love, a hug, whatever, right? You do that, right? Or you're like, hey, 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 dad, goodbye. Hey, mom. 
Or sister. Well, probably in between brothers and sisters. I don't know. I don't know about that because I don't have brothers or sisters, right? But here we see Paul speaking to the church and saying, "In the church, you should treat each other as as a family. Family, not an institution, not a business. A family. A family where we greet one another." Where we are there for one another. Where we, you know, in the family, you share things with your brothers and sisters. You work hard for the family. You help in your house, right? You help your family. That's what we need to do with our church. It's our family. And then in verse 15, I just want to speak about this guy, Philologos. You know what means? You know what the name means, Philologos? Philo logos mean love for the word. That, that, that was not a name, that was a nickname. Love for the word. This guy, Philologos, he loved the Bible. He loved scripture. He loved the word. And Paul recognized that as a characteristic of a leader, of a servant. Love for the word and also love for the lost. Why I'm saying this? Because Paul is talking about Philologos, and then he's speaking about Julian, Rios, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Paul puts him first, because probably he was the one in charge of sharing the word of God with the rest, with the others. This Christmas season, I invite you to open the Bible in your house and share the Christmas story with your children. Read Luke chapter 2. With your kids. You don't need to be a pastor to teach, your, to teach your children. Open scripture with your wife. And say, you know what, honey? Instead of watching TV tonight, we're going to open the Bible. We're going to read. We're going to see what, what, what the Holy Spirit wants to do with our marriage. We're going to pray for one another. You know what? I would love to be like Andronicus and Junius. I would love to be like Priscilla and Aquila with you. We are in, we are in this together. And we have a church. What the Holy Spirit wants us to do in our church, in our family. So these are the characteristics that we can learn today from Romans chapter 16. We can see from these names that uh, Roman society had already been infiltrated by the gospel before even Paul ever arrived the city. That's why in, in Romans 1.8, 16 Sundays ago, we learned that the, the faith of the Romans is being reported all over the world. They were literally, they were changing their world for God. So today we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And as a conclusion today, I just want to share this Bible verse. It's verse 20. It says, The God of peace, Romans sixteen twenty, The God of peace. The God of peace. Peace, our God of peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You know why? You know why Paul is putting this promise really at the end of the book and not the beginning. 
Because this promise is for servants of God. And God is calling you to serve Him. You know why this promise is for servants of God? Because in the context, speaking about leaders, servants, people that are active in Christ. It is not like me, oh, I just come to church once every, every while, and then now I will go out and I will reclaim this promise. The devil will look at you and will, will say, what? You are with me all the time. This is the promise for those who are willing to serve God. Because you know, when you serve God, the devil will try to stop you. He will not come after you if you're just crossing your arms and just sitting there and watching the world get, you know, lost and lost and lost. He will come for those who are willing to, to, to pay the price. To take the risk. To even die for Jesus Christ. And the promise for those is, Soon. Very, very, very soon. Jesus Christ is coming. And he will soon crush Satan under your feet. Under your feet. I invite the worship team to come to the altar. And we're going to, as they play some worship song, I, I want you to have a moment to pray. With me, and you can just close your eyes, whatever you are, you can just think on the word, whatever the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning. And let's ask God to help us, to, to help us get rid of the excuses that maybe are right now in our minds, excuses that don't allow us to serve Him. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what is the pattern, what is the model that He has for our marriage. For, for, for our marriages, for our families, for our children. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And this is the promise that He wants to give to you this morning. I'm coming to crush Satan under your feet. I'm coming. I'm coming. Kevin, Kevin today he used Luke chapter 11 to speak about Lazarus, Lazarus experience seems like Jesus was late, but he was coming soon. And maybe you're thinking that God is late. God is not late. He's coming soon. And he will crush Satan under your feet. You know what? You know that Satan is the adversary. Satan is the is who you know come and charge you and, and tells you all the time that you're just failure, that you can do anything by yourself, that there's no hope. But here comes the God of peace. Our God of peace. And He's bringing peace and victory. Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray this morning that you will open our hearts to your word. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. Take the word and bring the word to our minds and to our spirits and to our hearts so we will be transformed this morning. The Lord is calling you to a new time in your life, to a new season where service to God will be a priority. 
where you will be committed to your marriage in a way that you have never been before. Where you and your house, you, you and your house, you and your children, you and your spouse, you will serve the Lord. Maybe you don't see it right now, but it's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise from God Himself, the God of peace, who's coming soon to make it happen. He's coming soon to make it happen. Today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you take all these characteristics of this honor servants and you bring those characteristics and those traits to our hearts to our lives help us to be faithful help us Lord to be lovers of the word help us Lord to be committed to your cause to the gospel of Jesus Christ help us Lord help us Lord help us Lord Today you're calling us. And between you and God, I will give you a moment to, to talk to God. I will give you a moment right now. We just listen to a song and take the moment to talk to God. Open your heart, open your lips, open your mouth and speak to your Heavenly Father. He's here. Do you need peace?